morning. Welcome to our Sunday School Hour. I invite you to stand as we sing hymn number 230, Heavenly Sunlight. Stand in as we sing this morning. Good to see you back. Would you pray for us, please? Man, thank you. You may be seen unless you celebrate a birthday. We'll do birthdays first. Right? Several of those this week. Let's sing happy birthday. Thank you. 
I remember Brother Steve and Miss Alice getting married, two young, scrawny kids, and you know, Google-eyed and all that good stuff. And here they are all these years later, the same, just loving each other, serving God. What a blessing. All right, uh, from our bulletin today, we're going to have a chili cook-off on Friday night. Bring your chili, and uh, then bring your dessert. If you want to enter, we're going to have a dessert contest, too. And uh, looking forward to a good time, 6 o'clock here at church. Bring your favorite game, board game, whatever it is, and uh, we'll just have a good time fellowship. Just be like family, okay? Because we are, right? So we're looking forward to that, 6 o'clock Friday night. Couples retreat's coming up. Uh, If you want the discount, you need to get online by January 25th and get registered. It's www.livingunited.com, and uh, it's on you to register. We don't do that for you. You can pick this February 16th, 17th, or 17th, 18th, uh, either one of those uh, times. It's a Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday, and uh, looking forward to a good time going to couples retreat. Uh, Church business meeting be held Wednesday, January 25th. here at the church, looking forward to uh, having that, recounting all the blessings of God this last year. A ladies' meeting coming up on the 26th, uh, Thursday following the business meeting, 7 o'clock here at church. Uh, Miss Pam Quinlan's going to speak, and uh, it's going to be a good time, ladies. I encourage you to come. Uh, to, with the church planning conference, I just went, took Brother Richard with me, and then the Marinos went also. Uh, Brother Marino was able to present. Praise the Lord. They raised like $39,000 one time to help and like $3,000 a month of monthly support. And so we're very excited about that. Um, Had Brother Richard with me, and I think he booked one or two meetings, uh, different guys that he bumped into uh, that had been going to having him or new guys. And so uh, that's exciting uh, that both of our guys were helped. And then uh, so this afternoon we're going to devote to... Uh, we're going to have a short uh, missions message, and then we're going to recount some of the blessings. I got to see one offering, one offering, $150,000. Uh, it was just amazing. It was for the Reasoners that we used to support, Mom and Dad Reasoner, to Russia. Uh, they have planted a church up in the Northwest. They have 15 uh, immigrants from Russia since the war started that have come over and are in their church they live on the property and campers and stuff and so they have a three million dollar piece of property they're able to purchase for four hundred fifty thousand they needed eighty six thousand dollars by the 20th of this month and they raised one hundred fifty thousand dollars to be a blessing to them so uh, we gave fifteen hundred dollars we sent that off uh, friday so that uh, they can have it by their deadline just so excited for what god is doing there and uh, so we got other stories want to recount and let you know uh, what we as a church promised to do. It was just an exciting, good time uh, to be down there. Jared says hi. He's still alive. We fed him the whole time we were down there. So, you know, he at least have some good meals uh, while we were there. And uh, But he's doing great. Uh, prayer needs here. Ask that you remember to pray for all these that are listed. Remember to pray for the Gilsons are working on uh, those final pieces to finish the adoption process. So excited about that. Remember to pray for Mrs. Booth and her foot and uh, continue to lift her up before the Lord. God would just heal that thing up so she could, you know, get going again. Uh, Pray for the savages. They battle cancer. The others that are listed here, uh, please remember to pray for them. I would remind you, it's uh, 
far better to be on the praying side of things than to be the one to have to receive the prayers. I always appreciate the prayers when I need them, but I'd much rather be healthy and be able to give them, right? So uh, don't take your health for granted. And then second of all, please remember to pray for others. Also remember to pray for Mrs. Reichelt. She hadn't been here for several weeks now. She's been really sick. And uh, so we ought to lift her up before the Lord also. And good to have the hopes back from their round of sickness. Uh, and it's just been nasty time of year. That's what it is. And so uh, thankful to be able to be together. Going to have Brother Foster come back, lead us in another song, and then we'll get to our Sunday school time. Lord bless you for being here today, Brother Foster. Sing hymn number 150, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. We'll sing the first and the last verses. Lesson number 10, if you need a handout, they have those in the back, you can raise your hand. While you're waiting on that, you can be turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Today's lesson on, is on strength comes through weakness, and I don't know about you, but there's a, I look at the things of this life, and I look at the Word of God and what uh, God calls us to be in the realm of holiness and the realm of surrender, and I can quickly recognize that I need help, that I am, am weak in this flesh, and I need God's help uh, every day of my life in order to live for Him and to do the things that He's called me to do, and I would venture to say that you would admit the same if you're honest with yourself this morning. I'm thankful today for God's goodness. I'm thankful for His safety and His protection. On our way in today on State Avenue, we saw a wreck of three cars. One was flipped over and seemed like one vehicle had a trailer behind and got jackknife. I don't know what all happened, but we came on it shortly after it happened and emergency vehicles were getting there. But I'm thankful this morning for God's safety and His goodness to us, getting us all here this morning. All right, we find our text here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, 
and verse number 7. Paul here speaking to the church at Corinth, and he's, he's trying to help them in this matter, uh, and as he's going to be helping us this morning as we look at this topic. It says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. As we consider this lesson this morning, as what we've gone through here in this portion of Scripture, we understand that these aren't things that our flesh enjoys. These aren't things that we would, uh, in our own mind, in our own reasoning, would say or give thanks for these things. But here Paul is able to give thanks for these things because he understands there's a greater purpose and there's a greater cause, and that is service to the Lord. And if God would be glorified through my infirmities, through my persecutions, then so be it that he might receive the honor and glory. And this is uh, what Paul came to understand is how we need to view our life and it's how we need to approach our life as well. You know, there are many things that we experience in this life and uh, I'm sure that many of us that have been in the job realm have gone through the interview process. It's not a pleasant process. It's not something, I wouldn't think that many of us would enjoy that, but we do have... Uh, that to go through as we are getting ready to um, uh, apply for a job and we get that interview. And maybe they've asked you to share what your strengths and your weaknesses are. I always hate those type of questions. I don't like to uh, explain things about myself, but that's a part of the interview process. And we often have no problem sharing those strengths, but when it comes to our weaknesses, we're not quick to reveal those things. for obvious reasons, it, it could be that you know, you know that weakness might be something that the, that would hinder us from getting that job. So we don't want to reveal those flaws. We don't want them to deny us that chance of landing that position. But know this: if people really knew the extent of who we were and our weaknesses, we might not even secure the interview at all. Aren't you thankful today that God knows all of our weaknesses, yet He still loves us, and He still wants to use us, and He still wants to work through us? Our weaknesses may seem like a disadvantage to us, but that was not how the Apostle Paul viewed it at all. He saw his weakness as a helpline for God's strength. And we read this, or we didn't read this, but it's earlier on in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Here he's addressing this in verse number 1. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. And I feel the same way this morning. I come not to you with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Uh, Paul had his priorities straight. And he understood that his life was to be in full surrender to the Lord. And his desire for the Corinthian church there was that they might know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Verse number 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, 
that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When we think of someone who God would greatly use, we would picture someone who is mighty or physically strong. And we see this even in uh, the history of Israel as they were selecting kings. Uh, They selected King Saul for what reason? Because he was of good stature, he was goodly to look upon. So that's what we determine when we look at someone who would be uh, successful or in a, a position of leadership, someone who is very confident or a gifted speaker. But Paul was the opposite of all these things as he has testified to. He was weak, he was fearful, and he was trembling. His preaching was not eloquent, but it included something better than eloquence. And it is this, the power of God rested upon him and the demonstration of the Spirit of God. And that's what God desires in our life, that we would surrender everything to Him. We would surrender ourselves, that we would allow Him and His power to flow through us. Strength and weakness conflict in our minds. We tend to think that those who really make a difference are those who are always strong and determined. But God has a different perspective. He knows that even our strength is weak. Thus, He allows us to experience weaknesses because they allow us to seek His strength. Hopefully, you recognize your weaknesses today and you understand that your strength, any strength that you can muster up is in no comparison to the strength and power of God. It is important to note that here that weakness in this passage that we are studying, this portion of Scripture that we've just read, isn't referring to moral deficiency. That is, it's not excusing a besetting sin. When Paul referred to his weaknesses, and specifically his thorn in the flesh, he referred to a lack of strength that was outside of his control. But through this difficulty in his life, he had the opportunity to see God's strength shine through. God did not intend for us to live the Christian life apart from Him. He wants to be... Uh, included in our lives, and He wants to be very much uh, a part of our lives. And we see this in John chapter 15 and verse 5, where He speaks of the vine and the branches. He says this, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in Me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without Me ye can do nothing. So it sounds to me like if we're going to accomplish anything in this life, then we must be plugged into the vine. As the branches, we must be plugged into the vine. If we're going to produce fruit, then we must uh, be plugged into the source of the strength and the power and the nutrients that we need in order to bear that fruit. So when you got saved, uh, the Holy Spirit moved into every life of the believer in this New Testament dispensation. To access His life, or this life that He wants us to live, we must quit depending on ourselves and fully depend on Him. So how do we exchange our weakness for God's strength? How does, what does this look like and how can we practice this in our daily lives? Well, we're going to look at three steps here. And the first area is pretty obvious, but we must admit that we can't. We must recognize our weakness and we must understand that we have to rely on His strength in our life. So we have to humble ourselves before Him, admitting that we are weak and He is strong. So the first step to receiving God's strength is to admit that we are weak. Paul did this in verses 7 and 8 of our text. He says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. For this purpose, he recognized this, lest I should be exalted above measure. 
For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart. As I mentioned at the beginning of this lesson, it's difficult for us to admit our weaknesses. Due to our pride, we want to appear to have it all together. We want others to look at us and say, hey, they've, they've got things put together quite well. And they're, they're, being, they're successful in their life. They're doing things uh, that I would desire to do, maybe. Uh, they're accomplishing things that I would like to accomplish. We prefer to rest in our self-sufficiency. But when we rely on our strength, we give no room for God to demonstrate His power. He wants to help us, but we have to first acknowledge our need for His help. You don't have to raise your hand, but do any of you struggle with anxiousness, uh, nervousness, worry? We're not resting in God's strength when we experience those things. We need to go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to help us to rely on His strength. We recognize we're weak, but we recognize also that He is strong, and we petition Him to help us. God knows us for who we really are, which is weak and helpless. And only when we see ourselves as He sees us are we able to receive His strength. Now, we can see from this from Paul's life, not only in this portion of Scripture, but by other areas and his uh, testimony, uh, accounting of this thorn in the flesh that he had, that we understand that his weakness was significant. It was significant. Paul's thorn in the flesh was no trivial matter. It was a serious and constant problem. Paul felt that it was hindering his uh, ministry capabilities uh, to effectively serve God. and to, He pleaded with God not just once, but three times to take it away from him. The Bible doesn't give us specifics as to what it is. We can all draw conclusions as to what we think it is. It really doesn't matter exactly what it was, but we, we know that Paul felt that it was hindering him. Paul's going to the Lord with his problem and asking him to remove it three times tells us that he recognized he could not handle his problem on his own. He needed the Lord's help. And I'm sure there are many of us who have gone through times of possibly health issues or difficulties, and we understood quickly that we couldn't do it on our own. And I'm thankful we have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can send our petitions through Him, and He pleads with the Father on our behalf, and I'm thankful to have Him on our side. Paul's affliction was more than just his physical ailment. He was also acquainted with numerous other challenges, shipwreck, imprisonment, beatings, false teachers, environmental danger, privation, and church concerns. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and see what else Paul went through here. It says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in the journeyings oft, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is offended, and I burn not? Paul went through many things in his life. 
The question is, how many of those things would you be willing to endure for the Lord Jesus Christ? And I hope you'd be able to endure them all as Paul did. But think of these, these trials that he went through. Which of these would cause you to quit serving the Lord? There are many that quit serving the Lord today, but I hope that we have the resolve as Paul did to serve Him no matter what comes our way. Being a Christian does not exempt you from challenges. In fact, it exposes you to challenges. Isn't that exciting? We're exposed to challenges, but I'm thankful that we have God on our side and His power and His strength to help us through those difficulties. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 gives us this promise. It's probably not one of the promises that you want to claim every morning, but it is a promise of God. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And John 16, goes on to say, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We can be thankful every morning as we see all the turmoil and things going on around us that are contrary to God's way and contrary to God's law and contrary to His precepts and His principles. We can be of good cheer knowing that He has overcome this world. God uses hardships in life to reveal our weaknesses and to show us that we cannot live without His strength. God did not intend for the Christian life to be lived in the power of the flesh. He wants it to be lived in the power of the Holy Spirit of God living within us. Without God, we cannot handle the pressures of life. Relying on our strength will leave us defeated and discouraged. But when we take our weaknesses to Him, we receive His strength. We can give many accounts of this. One is of D.L. Moody. And he was preaching to a prominent audience, including noblemen and royalty. The theater was packed and the pressure was intense. As he read Luke chapter 4 and verse 27, he stumbled over the the names there and he reread the verse from the beginning, but tripped on those words yet again. On his third attempt, Moody closed his Bible, lifted up his head, and prayed. O God, use this stammering tongue to preach Christ crucified to these people. Moody's confession of weakness and call for divine help resulted in God's power upon him. Moody's audience later testified that they had never heard him preach with such eloquence and persuasion as he did that day. When we get out of the way, it's amazing what God can do. And... Reminded of this over and over again, even in daily life, things that seem overwhelming, just remember to pray. Go to the Lord, and then that worry, that fear goes away, and the Lord and His strength will help you through it. And we can trust in Him, and knowing He will be faithful. So Paul's weakness, it was significant. It wasn't a light thing. We also see in this portion of Scripture that uh, we recognize it was sent by Satan. Not every weakness is of the devil, but understand this. In Paul's life it was. He referred to it as a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. The word messenger refers to a fallen or evil angel working for the devil. And we understand that word buffet carries the idea of striking with the fist. So Paul had the privilege to receive abundant revelations and heavenly visions from God. These special privileges put Paul in danger of pride. Think of kids, I know something you don't know. But that was not Paul's attitude. 
Paul knew that God had allowed Satan to afflict him to keep him humble. He also believed that God had the power to remove his thorn in the flesh if he wanted to. Although God at times allows the devil to afflict us, God is in full control and sets the parameters for our affliction. We see this example in the life of Job. Satan had to first seek the Lord's permission to afflict him, and Satan had to submit to God's instruction not to take Job's life. In verse, Job chapter 1 and verse 12, So the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. So as we go through this life and we may face attacks from the devil, we can take comfort in knowing this, that he cannot harm us beyond God's protective limits and that God allows affliction in our lives for our good. So Paul's weakness was significant. It was set by Satan, but it was also serious. The word besought means to urge, to ask for earnestly, or to plead for. Paul didn't just ask, but begged the Lord to take this infirmity from him. Not just once, but three times. It was serious enough for him to plead to God to remove it. The word depart means to go away from, to remove, to keep away from. Paul wanted this problem removed from his life and from his experience. Yet as Paul would soon learn, crying out to God for help was the first step in gaining God's strength, even if God's answer was different than he anticipated. So, the first step is admit that I can't. Humble yourself before the Lord. Admit your weakness. The next one should be obvious. Acknowledge that He can. He can. Admit that we can't. Acknowledge that He can. All our weaknesses prove that we are unable to point, uh, that we are unable and point us to the one who is able. God's strength begins working in us when our strength ends. The difference between a Christian who quits and the one who keeps going is a matter of perspective. The quitter stops with I can't. The one who keeps going moves from I can't and understands that God can. Philippians 4.13, I hope this is a life verse for you, something that you take to heart. It says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And then here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Though we know that God never took Paul's request to remove his affliction, he never granted that, he revealed that he could accomplish something greater in the life of Paul through his weakness. When Paul understood this truth, he not only admitted his weakness, but he embraced it. In fact, he then applied this reality to more than the thorn in the flesh, which he had been originally subject to in his prayer. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 10 of our text says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Paul sounds pretty crazy, doesn't he? (laughs) He would sound crazy to someone on the street that doesn't know anything about the Lord. But the key here is he counts it all joy because he's doing it for Christ's sake. He's taking pleasure in it because it is for the greater good. 
It is for building the kingdom of God. It is for sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that He might have a greater influence because of the strength of God and the power of God that is residing on Him. Affirmities refers to our weaknesses. Reproaches refers to times of being done wrong. Necessities refers to times when we have a need. Persecutions refers to times of persecution. Distresses refers to extreme afflictions. And it goes against our very nature to welcome these things into our life. It would be a miracle if God answered our prayer to remove these burdens in our lives, but He wants to do a greater miracle in us, teaching us to rejoice as we hand these burdens over to Him. Understanding that He alone can give us the strength to bear them. So how specifically does God make His strength known through our weakness? He does it by His grace. Aren't you thankful for God's grace? Paul realized that God can because His grace is sufficient. The word sufficient means enough. God's grace is absolutely enough for my life, for your life, for anything that you're facing. God's grace is sufficient. It's enough. It's satisfactory. It satisfies our every need. Because God's grace is plentiful, you will never find yourself in a place or a situation that exceeds the measure of God's grace that you need to get through it. Aren't you thankful for these promises God gives us? And how could we face life without these promises and without God in our life? And it's why our society is so messed up and why uh, they don't know how to handle the pressures of life and they uh, resort to all sorts of things uh, to try and cope (laughs) with the pressures of life. But we have God, and we have His strength, and we have His grace that is sufficient. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. God's Word speaks specifically of His grace as it relates to the Christian life. We're going to look at some areas that uh, grace applies to our life. First of all, it's that of saving grace. We aren't saved by our works, but by God's great grace. Ephesians 2.5 says this, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And then verses 8 and 9 we're very familiar with, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Thankful for God's saving grace. I'm thankful that sinners as we are and as we were dead in our trespasses and sins before meeting Jesus Christ and accepting Him as our Savior, even though we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us and He offers us salvation through grace. He's extended to everyone. Not only does He give saving grace, but He gives sanctifying grace. So after we're saved, God continues to want to do a work in our life. The grace that saves us also conforms us into Christ's image. It turns us away from ungodliness and grows us into Christ's likeness. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. It's available to every person. Every human being has the opportunity to receive this grace of God that brings salvation. Verse 12 goes on to say, Teaching us that. Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 
looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God desires to do a work in our lives. He saved us. He set us apart. He set us apart unto righteousness, unto Christ-likeness. So He's working the sanctifying grace in our lives to conform us into Christ's image. Next we see God's, God gives us serving grace. The motivation and strength to serve God comes from Him alone. Even in times of persecution, God's people are still able to carry out His work because of His great grace. He pours it out upon them. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So wonderful to be reminded of what God can do and what His grace can do when those of us are willing to surrender ourselves in service and sacrifice to the Lord, when we allow the Lord to move through us and we allow Him to work in us and through us. So God gives us great serving grace. I'm thankful for this one as well. God gives sustaining grace. God's grace enables us to endure trials. His grace, it is His grace that kept the Apostle Paul from buckling under the pressure of persecution. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9, it says, For I am the least of the apostles, that am not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Can you imagine the, the guilt and the shame that Paul would have understood as he came to realize that Jesus Christ was the way of salvation and that the church that he established was the true church and was the correct uh, belief system. And here he was the one persecuting the church of God. Uh, but he, he didn't let that hinder him from now doing what he knew was right. He knew that in this moment, in this time, God had called him to be a servant, to be a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did it to his, the very best of the ability that he had. And he allowed God through his power to work through him that many souls might be saved. So don't let... Your failures of the past hinder you from moving forward for God and doing a work for God. And understanding that His grace is sufficient in all areas, especially in this sustaining grace as well. Then God gives us supplying grace. God's grace abounds to us and supplies every need that enters our lives. Have you had some difficulties this past week? Know this, that God's grace is sufficient. His grace abounds to supply every need that enters our life. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. 
we would outline all the benefits of the Christian life and what God uh, wants to do on our behalf. I don't understand how anyone would not want to sign up for it. (laughs) We have a loving Heavenly Father who wants to bless us and offers many benefits on our behalf, the greatest being that of grace, giving us what we don't deserve. And He wants to pour these areas of grace out upon our life. And He wants to show Himself mighty and powerful and sufficient for all of our needs. But how many days of our life do we count ourselves sufficient? And we take control and we neglect to rely on the Lord Jesus Christ for everything that we need. I would challenge you for every concern, every, uh, every area of your life, ask God to help. It doesn't matter how small you think it is or how big it is. Ask God to help. I've learned to do this over the course of my life. and I haven't had to face all the things that Paul faced, but I've seen God help. And I've seen Him give comfort and strength and guidance and direction. And and I've proved Him to be faithful. And He'll be faithful to you. And He will give you what you need. And He will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for His grace that is plentiful. We'll go on next week and look at more of God's grace as well. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today for Your goodness to us. And we're thankful for... uh, As we recognize our weakness, we recognize also your strength. And I'm thankful that you want to empower us through the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us. And I pray that we would learn to rely more and more on that strength rather than our self-sufficiency. Father, I pray that as we recognize our weakness, that we would allow ourselves to be the servants you desire us to be, that we would be vessels of honor unto you. And I pray that as we submit ourselves to you, that you would work mightily through us to reach this lost and dying generation. Father, help us to have a tremendous impact on the world in which we live. Help us to be a voice of truth. Father, help us to show love and kindness and God's grace to all those around us that need it. Father, I pray that through our testimony, you would draw people to the Lord Jesus Christ that we would see many souls saved this year, and Father, that you would uh, help us just to be faithful in all that you've asked us to do. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for this time we can spend together under the preaching and teaching of your word. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts today, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your kind attention. We'll meet right back in here at 1030 for the worship hour.